Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Open at 1 Kings uh, chapter 9. We're going to go into the Old Testament today. And uh, so I'm just going to ask God for help. I've, um, Viv and I have really been struggling with our health since we came back from Fiji. So um, it's been, you know, just struggling literally for breath. So uh, keep praying for us, please. You know, I, th- I believe it's just a, just a little kick in the side from the enemy um, after seeing God do such great things in Fiji and continuing to do great things over there. So um, it'd be really good if we could just get completely out of it on the other side and uh, breathing properly and uh, without all this coughing business that's going on. So Father, as we open Your Word today, Lord, we pray that which is born of God, that which is inspired of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Word of God, Lord, which is quickened today by the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Lord, we pray today that You would just clear all the channels Lord, we pray today that there would, um, there would just be a clarity of Your voice that would come directly straight into our spirit and into our heart. And I pray, Lord, as, as, as I have wrestled with this Word this week, that, Lord, I pray that it would come forth as it needs to and that it would be, uh, Lord, something that would lodge directly into every person's heart today. And that, Holy Spirit, You would speak, that You would, Lord, lay it down to rest in our hearts that which you're speaking and saying to each one of us today. I'm so aware, Lord, that you take these words that I'm about to say and you apply them so differently to different lives as you see fit. So have your way today, Holy Spirit, we pray. And we invite you and your presence into the preaching of the word this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the Bible, we have, an, we have a, a story, an account of two kings. Not second kings, but of two different kings at different times who decided to get into boat building. And as you know, the nation of Israel weren't a nation of seafarers. They were an agricultural nation. So they didn't know much about building ships or sailing ships. So both accounts are very short in the Scriptures, but in both situations, they decide to extend their kingdom and their power and their wealth by building boats and then sailing them off to the Orient to find gold and to bring the gold home, to bring the booty back and, uh, and to extend their kingdom and to increase their bank vaults and to be known in history as kings that retrieve gold from the East. And the two very, very different accounts One of them was successful, one of them was not successful. The name of the first king was King Solomon, who after 20 years of being in his kingdom, he built the the temple of Solomon, which was, if you read it in detail, was incredibly lavish. It had the best of everything in that temple. And the Bible says he also completed building his own palace, the king's palace. And then this incident that I'm about to talk about, after 20 years of basically a ministry without a glitch, 
Uh, Solomon then decides that he's going to get into boat building. And the other king that we're going to talk about is another king who was also a very successful king because there were many of them that weren't. His name was Jehoshaphat. Let's say that together. Jehoshaphat. Yeah, let's say it again. Jehoshaphat. He's got a fat name, that Jehoshaphat. That's awesome. So they decide that they're going to go to a, a ship port and, and the name of the port is uh, Etzion Geber, which is how it's pronounced in the Hebrew. So can we have that up there? Next one, please. Etzion Geber, which literally means backbone of a mighty one. Etzion Geber. Backbone of a mighty one. If we go to the next slide, you'll see where this is. So you'll see there the Red Sea, which op opens down onto the Gulf of Aden and into the Arabian Sea and then down into the Indian Ocean. And so this is the southernmost tip of Israel where the arrow is, is a seaside resort now in modern day Israel called Islet, where many Jewish people go for holidays and they sit in their resorts and they get a tan and then they go back to the army or they go back to their agricultural life even today. And Etsy and Geber is the port where these two kings decide to get into boat building. And so we're going to have a look and see why one of them was successful and why the other wasn't because out of this today, there is a word from the Lord that will come into your life this morning. So 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 26. King Solomon also built a fleet of ships at Etzion Geba, which is near Elath on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. Then Hiram, Hiram is the king of Tyre. Hiram is from the Phoenician race and Hiram was an expert and his men were experts in building boats and sailing them on the seven seas. So Solomon's a smart man. He builds an alliance with a king called Hiram who knows what he's doing because Solomon knows he's out of his league, he's out of his depths when it comes to building boats. And Hiram sent his servants with the fleet, seamen who knew the sea, to work with the servants of Solomon. And they went to Ophir and acquired 420 talents of gold from there, and they brought it to King Solomon. This word, seamen who knew, that word knew in the Hebrew is the word yadah. And it means to perceive, it means to have understanding, it means to know something previously before that was not known. So these men, as it were, they had spiritual and prophetic insights into the job that they had, which was to build these boats and to sail them out of the safety of the harbour. Amen, we all know it's no good building a big boat and just having it driving around in circles inside the harbour. A boat is built for the high seas. It's built for the storms. It's built for the toughest conditions. And these men from Tyre, the men from Hiram, they understood and they had an insight and a knowledge that was prophetic in nature. And so they build the boats, they sail them successfully out of the harbour, coming down the Red Sea to a place where many commentators are still arguing about these days where Ophir was, but wherever it was, there was a lot of gold there. And it's the equivalent, that gold is the equivalent of 10.3 tonnes of gold, 10.3 tonnes 
of gold, which is the equivalent in today's currency of 22.3 million New Zealand dollars. So it was quite a successful trip, you might say, bringing back $22.3 million for Solomon's bank account. And so we see that Solomon was successful for a reason. And that reason was the alliance that he made, he made with people who knew what they were doing. They understood the times. They understood the seasons. They understood what they were doing. They had spiritual perception. They had knowledge of the sea. And because of that, and because of that alliance with the king of Hiram, they had success in what they were doing. So let's go to the second king now, Jehoshaphat, a hundred years later, who no doubt recent history had been read, written, which was kept uh, very meticulously in these days of the kings. And so Jehoshaphat had the benefit of Solomon's experience. Amen, it's always good to ride on the coattails of somebody who's already gone and done it. They already have the experience. They already have the know-how to pick up where they left off and move forward, except this isn't what happened. And so 100 years later, Jehoshaphat says, okay, I'm gonna get into building some boats as well because I want to build my bank account and I wanna become prosperous. So he decides to get into it, except he wasn't successful. So was there a reason as to why he failed? 1 Kings 22 verse 48. Now Jehoshaphat built a fleet of trading ships to go to Ophir for gold. Same purpose, same mission, but they never set sail. They were wrecked at Etsy and Geba. How can this be? They were wrecked in the safety of the harbour. So Solomon is successful. They've been built. They've, they've had a blat around the harbour. They've gone out onto the high seas. They've been successful in their mission of bringing back the gold and making their king prosperous. So here's a whole lot of work and effort all for nothing. A lot of expense that's been spent that's just been destroyed at the blink of an eye. So 2 Chronicles 20, which is a very famous passage of Scripture for other reasons, tells us what happens. Let's go there. Verse 35, 2 Chronicles 20. After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who acted very wickedly. And he allied himself with him to make ships go to Tashish. And they made the ships in Etzion Geba, same port, same place, same mission. But Eliezer, the son of Dodavah, what a name, of Marisha prophesied against Jehoshaphat saying, because you have allied yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed your works. So here we find the reason why they weren't successful. Jehoshaphat wasn't successful in the same mission that Solomon had because of an alliance that he made with another king. And this king was none other than the son of Jezebel and King Ahab. 
We all know that King Ahab had the worst record of all the kings in the Old Testament. The Bible says that Ahab was very wicked, extremely wicked, and that the whole intent of his thoughts and his mind and his heart was towards wickedness, which means he never had a conscience. He never did the right thing. He always did the wrong thing. And he set up his own religious idolatrous system using the prophets of Baal, which God had to send another prophet called Elijah to destroy and take down that religious system. And so we find here that a good king, Jehoshaphat, who actually brought revival, you can read it in the book of Chronicles and the book of Kings. Jehoshaphat, when he came into power, the son of Asa, he came into power. One of the first things he did was this. He said, my people are suffering through lack of knowledge. They don't know how to worship the Lord. They don't know anything about the proper way that God set up worship. So do you know what He did? He trained up a team of priests and Levites and administrators and He started the first circuit preaching school. And He sent... He sent Levites and priests through all the towns of the southern kingdom of Judah and all the region in the south, every town, every city, He sent preaching teams in and He schooled the people of Judah on how to worship God. He basically gave them the Word released the Word of God, got them going in their worship before the Lord and suddenly the whole nation started to receive strength because they could interpret the Bible properly. They could interpret how they were supposed to be worshipping God. He was an amazing king. And we find in Second Chronicles, the same chapter that we read about um, Jehoshaphat forming an alliance with Ahab's son, we find that a whole wicked alliance of other kings from other nations said, right, we're gonna destroy these guys. And the Bible says they were like, they were so numerous, they were like the sand of the seashore. They were outnumbered, they were outgunned. And do you know what Jehoshaphat did? This man who's now been rebuked by Eliezer for forming a wrong alliance in his life with Ahaziah, do you know what he did? Instead of relying on his army, instead of counting how many soldiers he had, instead of seeing how many bows and arrows and spears that they had in in their armoury, this is what he did. He said, nation of Israel, we are going to fast and we are gonna pray. And he called a national fast and a national day of prayer. And he humbled himself before the Lord. And because the Lord said, you have turned to me and not relied on the strength of your army, the strength of your horses, the strength of your men, because you have put your trust in me, you will know an absolute victory like no other time in the history of Israel. And it was such a great victory that this is what he did when he received the Word of the Lord. So they fasted and another prophet was sent. And the prophet basically said, because you have humbled yourself and you've relied on me, not on man, I'm gonna be with you and you're gonna see your enemies be destroyed right in front of your face. That's surrounded, friends. Israel was surrounded by wicked foreign kings who had a lot more firepower in the tank than what Israel did. They were surrounded and God said, I am assuring you this day of victory. Jehoshaphat was such a godly king and he had such a spirit of faith upon his life. Do you know what he did? He lined up all the musicians and singers and he sent them into the front line of the battle. Not a sword, not a spear, not a bow or an arrow amongst them, just guitars, 
symbols and people who could worship God. He sent them into the front line against the enemy. And the Bible says the enemy turned on itself and they all killed and destroyed one another. They didn't have to lift a hand. And yet in the same chapter, at the end of this successful time of leadership, Jehoshaphat, for some reason, he decides to form an alliance to shake hands, to get into bed, so to speak, with a king who the Bible says was very wicked. He'd inherited his mother's genes, Jezebel and King Ahab. And he's about to say, okay, let's get into business together. Let's go build some boats. Let's go get some gold. A righteous king who's making a dumb decision, a wrong alliance. Did Ahaziah have any knowledge about building boats? No. He was an agricultural man of the land, like the rest of the children of Israel. And so he builds an alliance and they're building the ships in the harbour as the ships are being built in the harbour. The Word of the Lord comes through the prophet Eliezer and says, because you have shaken hands, because you have formed an alliance with a man who is known for his wickedness, he's known for his wrong way, he's known that he doesn't have a conscience, that he will rip you off, he'll turn you turn your back on him one minute and he'll rip you off seven ways the other minute because because this man is a wicked man and you have decided that you're gonna make an agreement, you're gonna make a treaty, you're gonna get together just for the purpose of making money. Because you have done this, I'm gonna destroy your ships. And they all went up in a blaze of fire in that port that day. Not one of them got out of the harbour. How sad is that? resources, effort, energy put into something that's not supposed to stay in the harbour and the safety of the harbour, but to get out and sail the seven seas never got off the ground. Why? Because of a wrong alliance. I think you might be getting the message today. You see, friends, when we connect our lives in a way with somebody or something or a business venture or a relationship, when we do it and we understand that the people or the thing that we're connecting with has no moral compass, has no understanding of worship, who has no alliance or allegiance with the King of Kings that we serve, then we're heading for shipwreck. We're heading for troubled times. We're heading for difficult times. What are you talking about, Pastor James? You mean I can't make friends with people who aren't Christians? No, that's not what I'm saying. Do you know what one of the titles that the, that the, uh, the Gospel of Luke gives to Jesus Christ? Friend of sinners. Jesus' nickname was Friend of Sinners. Why would He get a nickname like that? Because He hung around with sinners. He hung around with the tax collectors. He hung around with the prostitutes. Can you imagine Jesus hanging around with all the short-skirted young woman, this Jewish rabbi? Whoa! And He got blasted for it. So it's not, it's not to do with about loving people 
that are outside our understanding of who God is. That's not what He's talking about. He's talking about when in some way you give yourself and you connect yourself and you shake hands in such a way and you build some kind of a treaty, a a, a binding agreement with your heart or with your pen, then you are going to suffer shipwreck within your life. We can't get it any more plainly than the Apostle Paul who wrote to the Corinthian church who were having major, major issues with the, the new church that God had raised up. They had all these unholy alliances with people around about them. And then Paul plainly speaks, and this is the amplified version today. Listen to this. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not make mismated alliances with them. Hello. Or come under a different yoke with them. That's inconsistent with your faith. Hello. For what partnership have right living and right standing with God has with iniquity and lawlessness or how can light fellowship with darkness? Jehoshaphat paid a high price. He was a great king. He was a king who loved God. He was a king who served God. But in a moment of weakness, he decides that he will join hands with King Ahaziah and he knew what type of a person he was. Praise God at the Word of the Lord, the Bible actually clears it up for us at the end of it, that He actually turned from this decision. After the ships were wrecked, He turned from this decision and He turned away from making any further alliance with King Ahaziah. You see, the thing is, friends, is that when we get ourselves into this type of situation, a relationship, a business, some kind of secret activity that you're not proud of, that you can't bring into the light as He is in the light. Anything that you want remain hidden in the shadows, friends, it's an alliance that's not worth you getting into. If you can't bring it forth into the light, then it's, it's shadowy and it's shaky and it will have a detrimental effect on your faith. We often think that our faith can, our faith can march out and match out that which we're forming an alliance with and that we can win them over or we can do whatever we can. But at the end of the day, the Bible is very, very clear. What does fellowship with the light, with darkness, what can it produce? Nothing but heartache and pain. Ahaziah had no idea about shipbuilding. You know, and over the years, it's been interesting as, as a pastor that's gone through many pastorates over the years, I've had to sit down and counsel people who are about to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars going into business with people who have no idea about their business. They have no knowledge, they have no understanding, but they've got money in the bank. And, uh, and then they find out as they get into business that they're living at two different ends of the spectrum of what is right and what is wrong. And then they they try to make decisions moving forward, but they can't agree because they're not on the same moral compass. You understand how difficult that is. And it's the same in any relationship or partnership that we have, we see that the end result will be shipwreck within our lives. And what ends up happening is that we end up compromising. Do you know what compromise means? Compromise that we settle 
for a decision that's at best second best, but normally third, fourth or fifth best in our situation. And we have to live in a partnership, a connection, an alliance in which we can't pursue the direction that we want because we have had to compromise. We've had to compromise our values. We've had to compromise the things that we know that the Lord says in His Word are right. And we start getting into shady dealings. And as a result, we suffer the rebuke of the Lord. Jesus actually made a very clear word that many people don't understand is actually a word about alliances. Matthew 6.33 says this. We all know this word so very, very, very well. Seek ye first. Not second, not third, not fourth, not fifth. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And many will miss the alliance pit of the Scripture. The conjunction, which is the and in the sentence, seek ye first the kingdom of God and the and is the alliance. Hello. The and is the alliance. So he said, don't just seek my kingdom. He said, seek to live right. Put me first in all of your activities and all of your life and seek to live a righteous life. I'll give you the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can do it, so that you can be an overcomer, so that you can overcome those temptations, etc. that come your way. But I want you to keep the and in there. Don't just seek me, but seek to live and a righteous life. And then all these things will be added to you. What things is He talking about? He's just been talking about a roof over their head. He's been talking about clothing their bodies. He's been talking about putting food on the table in Matthew 6 prior to these verses. And now He's saying, look, you don't have to chase all those material provision. If you put me first, if you make me your number one priority in life, I'll give you a, I'll give you a good man. I'll give you a good woman. I'll, give, I'll put money in your bank account. You'll have food on the table. You'll have, you'll have clothes. You might even have some fashion labels thrown in the midst there. But I'm gonna look after you if you put me first within your life and you seek to live a right life. That simply means this, friends. There are many ands that get tricky in our lives. There are many ands, things that we have joined hands with. Pleased to meet you. you. I've known you for 31 years. 31 years. Married to you for 30 years. The best alliance I ever made in my life was this woman right here. Hallelujah. It was such an important decision in my life that I fasted and prayed as a young Christian. And I was fasting and praying about two things. Number one, am I called to the ministry? This is before I was a pastor. Number two, do you want me to get married or do you want me to be a monk? (laughs) I wasn't too keen on the monk thing. (laughs) So I did a three-day fast. No food, just water. I did a three-day fast and then they sent the prophets in to prophesy over people in the church. The first person they chose out of the audience, an audience of around about this size, maybe a bit bigger, I was sitting about halfway back down there. You young man with the red hair. That was me many years ago. (laughs) Stand up. Here's the first word. Young man, 
God has got a wife for you. Yes. No monastery, no monk, no monkhood. Praise God. God has got a wife for you. But you think, I was thinking, I'd be happy with that. Thank you, Lord. You let me know. You've got a wife for me. But the Lord says, ah, I need to give you some wisdom on top of this. Because this was going to be the most important alliance apart from my connection to Jesus Christ that I'll ever make in my life. The woman I was going to marry. And he says, you think it's like going to buy a car. I'll have one this colour, this year and this model. (laughs) But it's not going to be like that for you. I've chosen her and she's just the right year, the right model and the right colour. Hallelujah. (laughs) So don't go looking for her, I'll bring her to you, the prophet said. And three years later, three years of not having to worry, not having to scan the room, not having to think, is she the one? Maybe she's the one. Because it's built in. It's built in. And yet it is the greatest alliance that we will ever make walking on this earth in this flesh, who we get connected to marriage-wise. It's the greatest treaty. It's the greatest agreement. It's the greatest binding agreement that you'll ever make within your life. God says a holy alliance, a holy alliance. You've got to be on the same page. You know, when I met Viv, I was like a CSI investigator. (laughs) I was a forensic expert. (laughs) So I asked her a lot of deep questions. Because the first thing is that she had to make, she had to make, she had to initiate the contact with me. And I was, that's not being arrogant, that's what the Lord said, okay? It's not like I was going, no, she has to make contact with me first. <laughs> amen, Samu. Amen, brother. Amen. Do I have a witness? Do I have a witness? <laughs> so God sends a postcard, a real quirky postcard. It just had to come from Viv. Real, like some little cartoon funny thing on the front with a few sentences on the back and it arrived in my mailbox. And at that point in time, I said, Lord, here's first contact. It hasn't come from me. It's come from this young lady. And so I began to prick my ears up as I realised that I was, I, was, I was looking for the conditions of the alliance with some romance thrown in there, by the way. It's not just, you know, this, this like lawyer, legal, forensic thing, you know. No, there was actually some heart palpitations going on here, you know. This wasn't, come on, come on, yeah. And so anyway, the long and short of it was that... Um, about nine months later, we were married and we've stayed married by the grace of God for 30 years. But the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. The book of Ecclesiastes says when a threefold cord is not easily broken, me, her and the Lord, a threefold cord has incredible strength to it can withstand so much pressure and weight 
when there is pressures that come in life. And because of that connection and because of that holy alliance that we made all those years ago, when one has been down, the other has been able to pick the other one up. And when the other one's down, the other one's been able to pick the other one up. And we've been able to go through this life and walk that life together because of the righteous, holy and the end, the biggest end of my life. James and Viv, kingdom of God and His righteousness. You see, God wants to examine the ends of your life. He wants to look into the ends of your world. He wants to... He wants to help you to make sure that you're making good decisions within your life that aren't gonna cost you shipwreck down the track because you have allowed the wisdom and the power and the love of God to invade every part of the decision-making process of your life today. And we've got, these, we've got these alliances that happen everywhere within our life. We've got marriages, we've got... We've got the bank and the mortgage. We've got the landlord and the tenant. We've got the business partner and partner. It's streamed right throughout your life. The agreements that you make when you sign up to buy something on higher purchase, you realise you've just made an alliance. You've just formed an agreement. Have you looked carefully at the small print? Have you looked to make sure that the debt that you're about to embrace within your life doesn't have a lot of little letters next to it that says, but if these conditions are present, then we've got the right to take back the goods and leave you with nothing. So it comes right down to the most personal level within our lives. Who are we shaking hands? What kind of agreements are we building? Who are we making friends with today? And so as I finish this message today, I know it's a very simple message, but it's probably a timely message for us because these ships can also represent, we, our lives can represent the ships that we see in Scripture. God builds us, God makes us, God forms us, God fashions us not to do circles in the harbour. He builds us to sail the seven seas. He builds us for some tough years that all of us in life at some point are gonna have to go through. And when you allow Him to build you in such a way, you can go through the worst storms and you can still come out the other side without being shipwrecked within your life. What is it gonna take? It's gonna take making making friendships, making agreements with people who knew the sea, seamen who knew and had experience, people who have the yada of God, which is the experiential prophetic insight and knowledge. This is the way walk ye in it. Don't build an alliance with that person that's gonna cost you deeply. Get some wise counsel. And the multitude of counsellors, Proverbs says, there is safety. Seek out that experience, that knowledge, that know-how. If you don't have it on board, go and find somebody who has sailed the seven seas, somebody who's already taken their ship out of the harbour many, many times and they've come back, they haven't been shipwrecked, they've got something to offer you. So seek out wise counsel. Don't try and do it alone before you make those crucial decisions within your life today.
For goodness sake, don't jump and connect with people who have no proven track record, who are hot air, who are like clouds that look like it's gonna rain, but they never rain. They're full of boasting and pride, but there's nothing behind their track record that would show you that they've got anything that can offer you anything of substance or goodness within your life. Friends, these things are so important to us, are they not? Within our lives. And because Jehoshaphat did not use prophetic people who had knowledge of the sea, he came a cropper with that unholy alliance today. I like to think that Solomon, even though God granted him the gift of wisdom, he learned a lot off his David father, the good and the bad. But one of the good is, is that in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, if you read that whole chapter, you'll find a list of all the people that David surrounded himself with. Incredible people. If, 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 if this was live TV, if this was, what do they call it? Reality TV. If this was reality TV, they, they would get some really good episodes out of the life of these people that David surrounded himself with. Their feats, their accomplishments were amazing. And David built all these people around his life. And one of the groups of people that he built around his life was the men of Issachar in chapter 30, uh, verse 32 of chapter 12. And the men of Issachar who knew the times and the seasons, the Bible says, they understood the times to know what Israel should do. Do you know that's exactly the same Hebrew word, the yada, <coughs> who came into knowledge that they did not have themselves, that was not previously known, that was made known to them by the Spirit of the Lord because they understood the times they were living in and they understood what Israel was supposed to do in that time. That's the kind of alliance that you and I need moving our lives forward. Come on. We understand the season we're in. There's four seasons in a calendar year. We all go through winter seasons. We need to understand what God wants to do in a winter season within our life. We can enjoy the budding of new life and new buds coming forth in spring as we're about to enter a season of summer, but know and understand the season that you're in. What is God saying to you right now? What is God doing in your life right now? Are you building an alliance? Is there an and within your life this morning that you need to get rid of? Because that James and that thing is not gonna do me any good. I need to kick it into touch before it gets a hold of me and starts to destroying all the good things that God has done within my life. I don't want to be a shipwreck. I want to be able to keep sailing for the rest of my days and to be able to get the gold and bring the gold home for Jesus. So I wonder to this morning if we could just finish by standing today. What does Etsy and Geba stand for in Scripture? this port, this seaport town. You can look at this place on Google Maps. It's an amazing looking place. At the very tip of the Red Sea, Etzion Geba is spiritually the place that discovers what we're made of. Etzion Geba is the place that discovers what we're really made of. Do, remember the meaning? The meaning of this port town? a backbone of a mighty man. God wants to build backbones into our lives. Have you ever tried to operate without your backbone? 
you won't be able to do it. Your backbone holds everything in your physical body together. God wants to build spiritual backbone that when the testing comes, when the trials come, when those alliances that we've made, the ends of our life come under fire, are we and will we still have a backbone where we can stand up and walk into our destiny and walk into our future and bring home the gold for Jesus? Let's pray. Father, I thank You this morning for this simple illustration. And I pray today, Holy Spirit, as you've, I sense You resting upon Your Word, as I've sensed the conviction of God coming on this Word, I pray even in this holy moment that, Lord, there would be a checkup from the neck up, that there would be a reality, a reality, a time of reality and looking and facing ourselves in the mirror today and being willing to say that alliance has not been of the Holy Spirit. That alliance has been one that's been motivated by my own flesh, by my own desires, desire for material things, desire for wealth, desire for a man, desire for a woman. Whatever it may be, it's gonna cause shipwreck if I don't eject it out of my life this morning. So I'm asking you this morning, church, with all the empathy that I can muster today, will you listen to that still small voice in your heart and in your mind this morning that's been whispering to you the whole time through this sermon, that's been nudging you, that's been pressing on you. It's a gentle press. It always begins as a gentle press, but if you don't listen to it, this is what will happen. You will lose your peace. And that peace passes all human understanding. And when you lose that peace, you feel trouble on the inside. So this morning is a moment and an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do something new in you. I wonder if you want to do business with the Lord this morning. If you would quickly slip out of your seat and come to the front.